Welcome to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Rob. Rob, it's a pleasure to have you back. It's been a while. You've been taking a journey. We haven't talked since episode 993. Yeah, man. Yeah, I've been great. I've been great. How are you going? What are you? Well, I'm doing perfect, I guess. I don't know. I'm happy you're here. Um, I have to ask, what, dude, I don't think I've ever asked you this question, but out of all the things you would want to get interested in, like a secret passion topic, anything that like you would just like to, you know, if someone could bring it up, it would be something you could always just talk about or just you'd want to know more about. What is it? Oh, it'd either be like cooking stories. What? Like, like cooking stories. Like if you like brought up something that Anthony Bourdain was doing or how Gordon Ramsay was sort of tutored or like that should just interest me, right? Because I've been going in my autobiography back and I read like some of Anthony Bourdain's stuff. But then also ancient aliens and civilizations. Let's tackle and... the cooking one first. And then we're going to go <laughs> to the ancient aliens. Why, why cooking stuff specifically? Do you just like the stories behind the chefs of why they maybe come up with their creative influence? Are you like interested in like the shit that Martha Stewart does? Like she stabbed a couple people in jail and shit. See, I don't know about that. That That's a mad story. Yeah, not at all. I can but... give you a behind the scenes of some of the cooking show stuff. But like, I, that's all. Like, did you know that the government, when they have a like a government general or something on a cooking network that's on purpose the government purposely does that so you see a military person connecting with regular populations and it's like a, a little small little propaganda tactic i had a guy on my show that did a documentary about it and he mentioned like yeah cooking shows every single movie in hollywood is basically influenced by the government whenever you see a jetliner or you see a military vehicle they have to get permission from the government to do so and they have to ask the government can honestly they change scripts they changed the movie Lone Survivor, for instance. Afterwards of seeing it, I wanted to join my recruitment station. That was a propaganda film. That's what's crazy. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, it felt like a propaganda film. It's like one man against, like, you know, thousands or something. But cooking like shows, you're seeing Martha Stewart and a general make a quiche. And then immediately, that's government influenced. That's right. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a hand in everything, but that's like the whole thing. Like everything is influenced by something else. Like, for instance, like the ancient alien civilization thing. So my my missus has gone down this wormhole at the moment where she is like looking into ancient aliens, the fall of like, you know, sort of rise of Christianity, the fall of Christianity and like the influence there and what could possibly have gone on behind the scenes. It's just it feels like one big conspiracy. Do you think aliens are real? Absolutely. 100%. Well, what's your interpretation of them? I've had some of the top experts on my show about aliens. You know that, right? 
Oh, yeah, 100%. I think we've talked about aliens a couple of times. Last time was that UAP sighting. <laughs> I am a, I stepped out of that realm for a little while, but coming across, like, I'm doing government, like, I'm just looking through government docu documents the past couple of months, and then I see a UAP or UFO document, and I'm like, well, fuck, I got to click on it, and I'm curious now. <laughs> and you're going in there, and they have, like, a whole chart and everything. I actually had at one point, I saved on my computer, where it talked about the number of sightings and it talked about being able to classify what this is and the distinction categories. And it was on the CIA's website. They were like distinctive categories, shape, speed, where you saw it, what like best descriptions you possibly can. Um, did it make a noise? And it's just like all these different classifications where I'm like, oh, my God. It's like when you find out the real history of shit, you're just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so I was watching, it's weird because like my missus is going through this like journey, right? She's like working her way through all this. She's finding herself, stuff. finding herself. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. In ancient civilizations. And then I go watch Nope. And it's weird because Nope is like about a UFO or in there UAP. And they even say in there, the reason why they changed the name to UAP is to sort of almost desensitize people. So it's like, it's not ufo which is has a stigma around it it's a uap so people are like well it's a uap you know what i mean like it's not it doesn't have the same heft and feeling and weight that ufo does because people aren't real quick i want to go back to what you said about your wife finding herself with ufos that's still better than game of thrones um just it's a way better <laughs> i'd rather have that than anything else if somebody like i hate the game of thrones subject in general um, really? It's not, it's not my show. I watched like two episodes of it and ah, nah, I couldn't. Peter Dinklage is cool, but I don't know. There's a lot of brother yeah. fucking and stuff like that. I couldn't really get down with. Yeah. And it goes deeper than that. It's like, they're making a Winnie the Pooh horror movie. You know that, right? Yeah. I've seen that. Okay. That's going to be fun as blood, hell. Blood but my honey. childhood's Yeah. I know my childhood's ruined. I was watching, um, the I was watching the new Dragon Ball Z in theaters with someone and he goes, yeah, did you know, they're making a new Winnie the Pooh movie. And I was like, what? And I looked it up and I was like, how did they get rights from Disney to do this? Like Disney, you feel yeah, like they exactly. would sue your asshole off. That's right. Yeah. Unless they, they change the names or something like that. Like sometimes they're legally allowed to, or is it open source because it's from that author from years ago and the Disney iteration, you can't do that version. I don't know. I don't know if Winnie the Pooh is open source. It's like Tarzan or, or fucking um, King Kong. Okay. Like now everyone's got a King 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 Kong project out. Hang on, let's go back to the alien subject. I thought it was a brand change because a lot of the people in the UFO community thought it was nicer to say UAPs, so there was less stigma behind it. I don't know if it was a government tactic to do that. I just think that talking with so many people who've looked at the documents i've looked at the documents myself you have to understand the time period of when it's all kind of started so throughout like a giant chunk especially if you're looking at like u.s documents there's just a lot of fear of communism and a lot of fear of like russia being up to things i mean i could give you four examples really quickly one Men Who Stared Goats. That's based on a real government project about creating psychological warriors. The only reason we dived into that 
was because we got a tip off that Russia was creating psychological super soldiers. And that had us go Which all you can down. See, what do you mean? You can see that in Indiana Jones in the kingdom of the crystal skull. Oh yeah. The yeah. main villain in that is also, yeah. Right. Let's <laughs> stick to real. Let's stick to like the, the, the reality. Um, <laughs> that is probably my favorite Indiana Jones though, is uh, crystal skull. What? I like green lantern. Too. Anyways, People give me crap of that, but back to the 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 psychological warrior stuff so then there's like there's different things that around the uap subject and i've had larry hancock he's a good friend of mine he studies jfk and he also studies ufo stuff i had him on initially talk about the ufo stuff and he's looked through twenty thousand something documents to be able to decipher out what these things are so there's talks of ufos from like the 50s and a little bit before that even a little bit before roswell but you have to understand is that where there's a document that talks about it you have to discern if it's real or if it's propaganda because what the american government decided to do at one point was decide to with the real documents put in a bunch of fake documents in case a russian spy infiltrated and came across your documents they would run off with false information same like us with men who stared goats where we create psychological warriors so i mean you got to understand, like everything that they looked at when it came to anything happening in the sky was it's Russia. It's somebody doing something. And I mean, that could be the case today, too. I've talked to people who, you know, one guy who investigates Area 51, he's been literally he lives right beside it. Basically, he just has been observing it, studying into their radio frequencies, listening to all their codes and everything that goes on there. And he makes a blog about it. And he's been doing it for 25 years. And he's like, it's not aliens. But what it is, is very high tech government equipment. And then you get into the area of what we have now, like, you know how you have your changing lights behind you? Well, they have things that can make a projection that just project on the air. They don't project off a screen or anything. So it can create an image right in front of you like a hologram. And they think that they can attach these things or be able to broadcast these things into the sky. And this is what these Tic Tacs are. I mean, that's just a theory. Like I said, we don't have any conclusive evidence on what that is. And surprisingly, the government doesn't really know what the hell's going on either. Jesus. Well, I was I was talking more the like you know in ancient Egypt had this hieroglyphics and stuff on the walls that those figures were actually real. Because there's pyramids all over the world and those link and they have like portals and keys and stuff like this. This is all third hand information that my missus like sort of like she kind of researches and she she's like subscribed to this thing called Gaia and she's like deep into that. Wait, she's subscribed to a thing called Gaia? You mean Mother Earth? The It's a network. It's like a streaming service. And it holds all this information about like ancient civilizations and people that are sort of tracking these portals. And it's got, it's like the Netflix of like alien shit. God, I wish I lived in fucking Australia, man. It, it's an American thing. I don't know. I have never heard of it. <laughs> oh, really? Check it out, gaia.com. If I'm going to be honest, I haven't really watched any, like, I don't know, anything besides JFK topics for, like, the past, like, fucking three months, man. I have Netflix and Hulu, but there's, like, nothing good. Like, my, my browsing history, like, my, me and my buddy share an account. So his browsing history is, like, oh, he watched the Chicago Bulls documentary. And then, like, if you check my browsing history, it's, like, three mile island about the nuclear meltdown then it's like ted bundy tapes and then it's like it's just like don't you ever want to watch like happy shit i'm like i don't know about you but this is fascinating to me 
But like if you watch the History Channel at like two o'clock in the morning, they do like a shift change and it just plays like it, it tells you the whole day about the pyramids were built by the Egyptians and it was stone by stone. And then at two o'clock in the morning, when that shift change happens, it's immediately fucking UFOs built the pyramids. And it's just this nut stuff. I don't know if I can, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your missus sees. I mean, what has she told you about how the pyramids even got there? Did she talk about help from an ancient civilization or alien civilization? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, that's what they base their gods on apparently. Explain. So well, the gods back then were actual aliens, and um, I don't know how they built the pyramids and whatnot, but those pyramids are supposed to be like portals inside and machines. And the government knows that, and that's the reason why you're not allowed to go into these pyramids. Now, do you believe that? I can't, I, I can't tell if you're like doing a, one of those deep, I'm sorry. I don't know if you just like froze for a second, but I was like, do you believe that? And there was like a good silence for like maybe five, 10 seconds. And I was like, he either froze or he is just doesn't want to answer that question. <laughs> I get black bagged and dragged off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I, I do believe it because I believe religion is a form of control. And I believe religion was kind of put in place to um, to sort of control people and control the population. But no, I, I, I definitely do believe it. Do you really do you really think that, though? Like, do you think that there's because here's a weird thing. I used to think that was really conspiratorial talk. Like whenever someone would talk about like climate change and someone would talk about all this stuff and like, oh, they're government protocols to keep you locked down there for and like to this 1984 or great reset scenario. Then I started talking to like a lot of people who I would never have thought have thought this way. And they started thinking that way, like a mathematic, like I've done COVID episodes and everyone goes, that's the whole point of the whole thing. And I'm like, Man, I don't necessarily believe it's all like that. I think some things can be reasonably explained, but I also understand how corrupting power is. And if you're asking, you know, for instance, if you talked about like the mandate type shit, I mean, the mandate stuff, people accepted and it got very divisive. And then not even a couple of weeks later, you saw a scenario like Roe v. Wade, where something that's been figured out for 50 years, got reversed, and then people couldn't control their own autonomy. I mean, so there's reasonable things to question. When it comes to like the weird like UAP and ancient worldly stuff, I don't know. Because then I hear an interview with Buzz Aldrin, who's been to the moon, and he's like, there's water on the moon, and there's an obelisk on Mars. And he's been saying that for years. And then we find water on the moon. And I'm like, well, fuck, is there an obelisk on Mars? <laughs> <laughs> and why hasn't Elon Musk figured it out yet? Well, why, why it kind of, it seems that way to me, right, is the Vatican is probably one of the richest places in the world. And there's massive influence there. And a lot of the stories that are in the Bible also, weirdly, show up in other ancient civilizations as well. So is it that there's this coincidence throughout time and there's like this loop or is it that the Bible is derivative of like other older stories? I can give you two really good examples. One from an expert I had on my show who does this class called Bible to 
Um, it, I think it's Bible literature to realistic world scenarios or something like that. It's, it's, it, that's the basis of what it is. And he goes, if you look at every culture having a flood, and then you talk about the great flood, it doesn't mean they're all talking about the great flood. It could just be every civilization has a flood. So then that's what they're writing down. And then we just assume they're talking about the same one. Like, I don't think the world flooded all over and it did that Noah's Ark thing, but every civilization has had a flood. And once you start learning, I guess at that point for me, it would be diving into the history of different cultures. For instance, the history, if it's the same time period, whatever, let's say 2022, let's say today my history over here in America is going to be different from your history. We're living in two different realities, but we share the same plane of existence. So then you just look at everything in history. Why is it like Christopher Columbus is doing his own thing, but then another civilization over, they discovered something else. And then you take another example, which would be um, Plato. Plato is speaking about Atlantis. Atlantis could be real, but it might not be the Atlantis that he wrote about. It might not be the one That's right. where they talk about futuristic underwater sea beings. Instead, it just might be a civilization with an advanced maritime culture where they maybe navigated the ships and the seas and everything like that better than other civilizations. And they figured that out first, but Plato had a lot of weird stuff. He basically thought of AI before AI even existed. His was more magical, like use magic and do all these things. And then AI is kind of the exact same thing, but less magic, more science-based. And magic is science that hasn't been figured out yet. I want to go back to what you said about the gods So do you think that the aliens were, the Egyptians were seeing these things that they wrote down as gods or aliens? Yeah, I I think it could be. It's fair. But like, I'm I'm also getting like information sort of third hand. Know what I mean? So it's not like I'm researching this myself. It's just like, well, it seems logical. But it's sparking up an interest at least. Oh yeah, 100%. 100% because it also changes the way you think like I've been raised in like a big religious capacity so it changes kind of the ground that you walk on and your mindset your perception of things because a lot of things you attribute to God and to religion and then you wonder why like people like bash religion and they're like they're liars it's all a conspiracy and whatnot and then like there's some information that comes out and you're sort of like, well, you know what? That kind of does make sense. And you allow yourself to challenge it and it's freaky. And I guess that's, that's the plane that I'm on at the moment is like, what do I kind of believe in right now? And it's like the shifting sands. Do you find yourself coming up with more of an existential crisis recently, or has this been going on for an extended period of time? No, this is this is probably more recently. The more I hear about this like ancient civilization thing and and whatnot, it could all be bullshit, you know what I mean? But I think for me it's well you are in a place where you can challenge and kind of look past the dogmatic learnings and, and teachings that have been passed to you. I think it's also to do with my parents as well. Like my father was one religion. He was Jehovah's Witness, kind of forced us to go to that church. My mom was Catholic. And 
I probably leaned more into the Catholic side of things. And it's, it's about almost outgrowing your parents and the teachings that you kind of received to, I guess, forge your own path. It's like the fork in the road and then you went straight. See, the bad part about that is, is that if you find your own path and it's necessarily the opposite of what your parents kind of raised you on, that you might not be able to talk with your parents again. You know what I mean? Like it might be that, like, I think, I don't know how many people during this pandemic, like lost relationships with their family members over like Trump shit. Like they were like, I'm banning you because you're a Trump. And it's just like, you're watching that all unfold. It's like, you guys are like going to be at the same Thanksgiving together and you're banning each other and you're not talking like that's the weird part is is like I just got lucky that like my parents didn't give a shit about a lot of things so it was like go explore for yourself but I do find it hard because like the JFK topic has been such of heavy interest to me of recently that when I try and talk about it nobody wants to fucking listen to me rant about it I'm like damn it it's like got an itch you can't you scratch <laughs> Do you kind of find, though, that when you bring up JFK, you get like the whole, oh, another fucking conspiracy theorist? I, Is that the, the response? I didn't notice that at first, but I started talking about it at work and people would walk away or roll their eyes. <laughs> and then I'm like, but look, look, I got like I got the documents to back up some of this stuff. I'm not even going to I don't even want to yeah. talk about it, but it's just that type of thing <laughs> where you start looking through like what are things that people either want to entertain or don't want to entertain? And that's kind of why I asked you that question. Like what's, what's your stopping point? Like what's one thing now that you wouldn't, you wouldn't even go down the route of talking about because you just can't believe it. You can't get there to it. Mm. Say JFK. I'll fucking convince you right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're waiting. Got like your portfolio and everything. Um, I don't know. Someone says JFK, I'm gonna plot a fucking brochure and shit and just sit them down and be like, let me show you something. <laughs> walk you through this. You should. You should like everything that you're doing, you should have it in every form. I wish I could keep so all that cool. knowledge in there, but I, I'm having even a tough time. Like sometimes I'm forgetting remembering what episodes people were on. Like 993, like that was a fucking pull out of the back corner, I think. Door, back door. Yeah. And I think that was the third time that I was on. <laughs> um, what was the question again? If you had one thing that you could challenge or one thing that you just couldn't. Okay, two, two separate questions then. One that you would really like to enjoy talking about, like aliens is a good example. But one thing you specifically, not third-hand knowledge, you specifically. If it's cooking, that's fine. We can talk about that. Then the other question would be something that you just won't even entertain. You won't, you don't want to talk about, you just, you find it like, that's the load of crap. You don't like anything that happens to do with what I guess maybe you have been taught. Ooh. Okay. One thing that I'd love to talk about is probably cooking. Cause okay. I've been on like this cooking, like trip at the moment. Oh fuck. I thought you were about to be like, I was on Martha Stewart's show. I was like, no shit. Tell me about it. <laughs> I had a guest that told me he was on the Price is Right, and I like lost my mind. I don't know why that was so fascinating. Shit. Yeah, that's what I said. Did he guess the price? Uh, no, his one of his friends won. Like I think it was a it was a car, or something like that. A jet ski. Yeah, they give you shit that you don't need. They so he told me he goes what they do is they they survey the people who they're going to invite onto the show. It's all not like random. It's all pre planned, obviously. 
And he goes, what they do is they check out your profile. They give you a little questionnaire and then they give you a gift that you necessarily don't can't use. So if you live in Arizona, they're giving you a jet ski. So you live in the middle of the desert and they give you a fucking jet ski. And he goes, because then you're not going to choose that option. You're going to keep playing. And then that's when you lose. So they don't have to give you it. And I'm like, damn, that sucks. Bob Barker, you asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the thing that I probably would never entertain um, talking about would be Jesus. Jesus. That was great. That was great. I said it, and then you said it right after. That's great. (laughs) I actually don't know, because I'm open to talking about everything. That's a good way to be. What is it? I thought I was really good at that, I'll be honest. I don't – I think I'm pretty open to a lot of stuff. Um but there's one stopping point I do have. And my buddy will like message me. He's like, I, I noticed someone hit your stopping point. And it's like when someone can consider something so inconceivable that they won't even engage in the conversation about it. Like I'll talk flat earth stuff. I don't believe it. I'll talk anything. But like when you have conclusive evidence behind you and you have points, I just don't like the devaluing of someone else's perspective. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's not easy, but it's not difficult to just like, talk with someone about it even if you want to like condescendingly be like so why do you think the earth is flat that's not bad but like when you devalue someone it's when they go off on a fucking tirade and shoot up a place or a building or something wow (laughs) um yeah uh probably uh when people make excuses to why they're not doing something as a reason not to do it. Can That's I, probably the, th- can I have an example? Yeah. So like, if I said, man, like you should get a car, you should like get your driver's license or something. And someone will say, nah, just like, you know, I don't want a driver's license. I live right next to my train station or something like that. It's like, it's not really, but then they always ask for lifts to places or they take an Uber everywhere. That's a good point. Um, I was going to say, like, well, maybe he doesn't want to pay car insurance. I mean, cars are uh, kind of a hassle in a sense as well, too. I know Tell from me about it. diving into the JFK topic, I was letting everybody know, hey, I'm in a great place in my life. My car works perfectly fine. So if you see in the news that I died in a car accident or I committed suicide, just know it was the government. <laughs> like, I brought that up because I saw, like, here's, here's where I say, like, I used to think a lot of, like, stuff like that world order stuff was crazy talk. But then I see an article about Ghislaine Maxwell, and she says, Ghislaine Maxwell on suicide watch. And then the next day, she's in the news like, I'm not on suicide. Like, I'm not suicidal. I'm like, oh, shit. That's how you know the government's after you. (laughs) That's so when she has to come out and be like, wait a minute, that's not true. And it's just like she's like trying to make media and they're like trying to push her off screen and everything. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She's depressed. It's like, hang on a second. (laughs) Yeah, far out. Are you going to do something like that next? Going to Epstein and everything? The island? I actually might start making like documentary stuff. I'm having a lot more fun with that. And I realized like I have enough content out there to where I could actually have basically an already resume to where I could just 
invite anybody I needed to, like, I want to work on Manson next, or I wanted to work on people's or Jonestown where all those people died. I think it was like 900 something people died from drinking Kool-Aid and shit. So it's like, I'd like to talk about a lot of this stuff. Cause like, I mean, just scrolling through like government documents, you realize like what you were told necessarily isn't the actual truth of things. And I get it. Like, obviously that would be labeled as conspiracy work or something like that. But like, dude, it's fucking fascinating. Like I like looking through government documents. I would probably make a career out of it if I could. I mean, you might be on like, what's that, that magazine that is a dead spin. <sighs> What, where I get killed? <laughs> it sounds like it. There's there's a magazine, and they broke the, the Manti Teo story where he was dating someone online, and then it end up, ended up that he wasn't dating anyone. Like, it was fake. The whole thing was fake. And he was told, like, the girlfriend died, didn't die. It was actually a guy that was playing him. I don't know the story. It's bad. Never, I've never heard of this person. Really? There's a documentary actually on Netflix. So when you go there, there's like a series of documentaries called Untold, right? And in that one is Untold uh, Manti Teo, I think, or the girlfriend who never existed or some shit like that. But it is the wildest story. It's this guy that's like fully religious and everything committed is in the Polynesian community from Hawaii. He's um, and he goes to college and plays football, right? Then he's sort of like, you know, he's finding his feet and everything, but he's killing football. That's his shit right there. Then finds this chick online. Well, this chick finds him basically, and then they they spark this relationship, and it's going, it's going, it's going for like years. And then all of a sudden, he gets a call from this person. He's like, oh, she's died. It's like, what the fuck? I, and um, his... Wait. Okay, go back to what you're saying. I'm sorry. And then, like, his whole world spirals out of control, right? Because a family member of his dies and all sorts of shit happens. But then the person that's scamming him, basically, won't let go. And they're like, oh, wait, she's alive again. And it's like, what is happening? So, and the way that that documentary like fucked with this guy's head or like what, what was shown in the documentary was that online relationship really fucked with this guy's head. And he just like, he never recovered. His career in the NFL, like he had a 10-year run playing for different teams. But he did not hit his potential because of like this online relationship scam thing. And he found out the truth as well. The craziest thing is he forgave her at he forgave her at the end. I'm gonna um you know, I just you just gave me an idea of who I wanted to make a doctor documentary about. <laughs> James Brown. The singer? The soul singer. Yes. I feel good. If, if I can get this, if my computer loads this, I'm going to play it for you. So I'm pretty sure it was James Brown, but I'm pretty sure he got arrested for waving a shotgun at somebody after they took a dump in his toilet. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that is that's James the movie. Brown. Okay. Yeah. 
So James Brown, have you ever seen the uh, the CNN interview where he was on like cocaine? No, no, I dude, it's fucking nuts, man. Hang on a second. I want to see if I can get this to play real quick. Okay, all right, hold on. I think I got it. I think I got it. Hold on. All right, it's it might just be giving me a um. All right, yeah, I've I've to look it up on YouTube real quick. Um, no, because James Brown was in this interview on CNN, and they were interviewing him and asking him things like, you know, like, how are you doing? He's like, I feel great. He's like on, like his teeth are like, he's, he, they're so like, he's, there's something like, I don't, I, God, dude, I, hold on. This is going to take me a second. We might have to pause and do this. I'm sorry. I don't want dead air, but. No, you're right, man. James Brown cocaine <laughs> interview. Like, how are you feeling? He's like, I feel great. <laughs> they're like, they're like, why do ladies love you? Why do ladies love me? It's like, yeah, why do ladies love you? Because I feel good. I smell good. And I make love good. I'm like, oh, my God. He was so sure of himself. That's the confidence you want, though. I mean, do you want someone yeah. being, like, annoying? Right. Wait a minute. James Brown being... What is what did that just say? Time out. Hold on. Play that real quick. Skip the ad. Why do they always give me like a 10 minute ad on stuff? Oh, no, it's a dude narrating it. I don't want a dude commentating it. I just want to see James Brown high on drugs. Literally, there's quotes. He's the best interview. James Brown on drugs. This is great. Hang on a second. We're going to play it. Here we go. Share sound. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? I better not get a copyright strike for this. That would suck. I'm seeing a black square. Wait till it pops up. My computer, is, is it still black square? Or are you seeing yeah. James Brown? Nope. What is happening right now? Is it, is it screen sharing? A screen share. Oh, okay, yeah, it popped up. Thank God. Can you hear it now? Welcome you, James Brown. How did all of this trouble begin? Living in America. <laughs> nothing wrong. Nothing wrong at all. You're not in any difficulty, but you're out on bond. No, I'm not. You don't want to talk about what happened? No, it's all over. Well, your fans will have read all about this, James. Aren't you concerned about no, that? I'm concerned because there's nothing wrong. And what are you going to say <laughs> to your fans when they ask you some questions about it? Because I do look you think good. That is? You I look good. I smell good. I yes. feel good. And you sing good. And make love good. Oh, well, there we are. We don't have to ask anybody else. We got that from the source. <laughs> there, there you are. <laughs> You're going to be on this tour. Huh? What'd you say? What are you going to be doing on this tour? This is a man's world. Thanks for reminding us of that. Everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, th th that was a little bit chopped up. But that's essentially what it was. She would ask a question. And he'd be like, tonight, tonight, tonight. And it's like, he would just start, <laughs> like he was grinding his teeth. And it was just like, the he looks like a goddamn Thundercat with his hair all like that. <laughs> Orange frames on his, I'm sorry. I took us off on the dark round. That was a dumb thing. I shouldn't even pulled it up. It was funny to me. He's a legend. 
<laughs> He's so cool. <laughs> you got to understand, like when I started to, like I actually reached out to some people to talk about this and it was threat analysis or risk assessment based on celebrities. And when you reach celebrity, it's much like being a billionaire. For me, in my personal belief, I think you should get a separate set of rules. If you have a billion dollars or $180 billion like Bezos does, I think you need to start classifying in a different category, not just paying more taxes, but I think you need to classify under a different set of rules. If you can send William Shatner up into space, you do not go by the rules of normal civilians who can't even make it to their fucking doctor's appointment on time because their car broke down. So in my opinion, celebrities, they have a different understanding of things. And this is how I was explained to by a psychologist about this, that not only do they have to understand that every person that they come up to has an unrealistic expectation or unrealistic personality of who you are. Like for instance, me and you being podcasters, if we have one fan, who's a hardcore fan that listens to every single thing that we do and knows a lot about us, then when you meet that person, they already have their resume built up about you. You don't know this person, so they come at you thinking that, oh, my God, this person's been in my car, this person's been in my house, this person's been in my head, because they're wearing headphones, and it's very intimate in that sense. And most of the time, you could be broadcasted on a television or something like that. So they're coming at you at like a level 1,000, wanting to give you a hug, and you're like, hold on a second. Same thing with Brad Pitt. At no point in history is, your, is that person's face as close as a screen is to your face. They don't see that though. They don't know you. They don't know who you are. So like there's people like if you ever look up the weirdest things that have ever been sent to like a celebrity, people have sent fingers. People have sent like a like a, a bunny that was murdered. They killed it and sent it to him and he goes, I killed this because its beauty doesn't match how beautiful you are. And it's like shit like that, like the horror stories you read. And it's just like, oh my God. And you start realizing like, yeah, they go by a different thing. When you see Justin Bieber get pissed off at a person filming every aspect of his life, no shit. He's tired of it. He can't, Kanye can't even go out to his car without the freaking paparazzi trying to get a cooter shot of him. You know, like, down the. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who's cool with the paparazzi and actually has time and like will actually have a conversation? Dave Chappelle. A lot of controversy. Until he gets tackled. Yeah, well, he sorted that guy out. <laughs> Did you see that guy's head afterwards? Jesus. He looked <sighs> like he like was growing like a rhinoceros horn <laughs> out um, of his fucking head. It was wild. What, what were we talking about before we got onto documentaries? We were talking about something. You were mentioning something that you couldn't entertain, and I forgot what that was. People that make excuses as a reason not to do it, not to do something. But you mentioned something before that, and it was about the Vatican. And do you not think it's strange that the Vatican considers it itself its own country? And then they have like an archive that I think. Exactly. I think for like the past every year, they're translating 1.8 million documents that are in the archives per year onto digital in case there's ever like some type of fire. And as soon as they, I saw that article, I was like, that's how you know it's going to be an accidental fire. You know, when someone's getting like insurance money and they're like, oh, it was Greek lightning. It was like, it was a fucking sunny day. What do you mean? Like when my Wendy's burned down, they said it was Greek lightning. And I was like, what? Like it was a sunny day when it caught fire. You're saying Greek lightning and it's say like insurance claim. 
What is Greek lightning? That's the thing is like, it's just bullshit. It's like God's through a lightning bolt. And... <laughs> it's like an it's excuse. The first time that I've heard that. <laughs> but um, that's, I... like a, that's like a common tactic. If you look at like some people like, oh, it was an accidental fire. It's like, what do you mean, Vinny? It was an accidental fire. It was Greek lightning. It was like, what? <laughs> I am gonna start using that from now on. <laughs> I mean, I, I look, I get it, but I think um when you get into damn it, I forgot what we were talking about again. This is what the <laughs> hardest part about my show is is that when it's not scripted and you're not going through stuff, you, I think we've hit like 80 different topics and we haven't finished one yet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we were talking about the Vatican backing up shit. Oh yeah, so they're backing up. They're backing up their files digitally, which I. But because they said in case like a, a, something happens, they don't want to lose all their files, which I mean makes sense. But I think like there's like I, I saw an article where they were talking about speculation about like what could be in the arc like the Vatican archives, and they mentioned like the the house arrest records for Galileo when they locked them on house arrest. I mean I don't think a lot of people even know the full story of that. This guy who said that hey, we don't the planets don't revolve around Earth. We actually revolve around the sun and they locked him on house arrest because it was a going against the church. And I mean, he pissed the church off basically, but they, they went farther than that. It wasn't just locking him on house arrest. It meant like people would deliver food to his house and these like people in the church and people that were just part of the community that didn't like him would stop these people from delivering food to his door. Like they would just take their food, rob them, do whatever they possibly could to make sure this guy didn't get his food delivery. So they might have those in there. People speculate JFK stuff's in there. I don't think it's all that, but I mean, it's the best place to store some of your shit. If you're going, if you're the government and you don't want people filing Freedom of Information Acts, you can just not give it to them. Or you could be like, we don't have it. You're not lying that you don't have it. You gave it to the Vatican to store in their archives. The issue is, do you have a relationship with the church where you can trust them to not use that against you at one point? It would explain why so many countries, like sort of um, white-led countries, are um, – what's his face? Christian countries. Well, I wouldn't say that. I would just – I think it's just mostly because Christianity was like a very, very large religion. Like you've, you've uh, maybe this was my conversation with your brother about this, but when um Trey was on Trey, it's Trey, right? I'm making sure I don't get that wrong. Triz. Triz. Damn it. Yeah. I haven't talked to Triz Plus. in like, what? Like, I think it was episode 900 or Two 800 years? or something. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> been a while. Um, But when we were talking about like Assassin's Creed and like the Viking, the new one, when it was new, which was... um. Like the, I forgot what that, it wasn't Odyssey, it was the one after Odyssey. The Valhalla? Valhalla, yeah. So I had a friend of mine who's a Viking um, historian, and she talked about like all the Vikings when they came over here. And it's in a little bit of that game where it does show that part of coming to this new land. And you start seeing monoliths and churches and all these types of things that they consider ridiculous because it's not how their religion goes. And that was just like, I mean, Christianity took over such widespread. So it was, I think, Catholic, being Catholic. Um, and being Christian were like two competing religions for a while. Then Christianity kind of took over. And then I don't know, everything's down. It's such a low percentage. If I think the last time I checked the percentage of people that were religious, there's like 50 something percent of people that weren't religious at all or choose to worship at home. And I think it's just the conformity of it all. Like you got to understand before technology, going to church was like a way to fucking hang out with people. You know, you were in the same groups. It was a giant thing. 
And there are some family households that are still like that, go to church every Sunday, worship, pray, and all that stuff. That's fine. But it's not the majority anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's not the thing that you do on Sunday anymore. Yeah. But I am fine with anyone having faith. Like, I love the idea. You know what I mean? There's good learnings in the church. I'm never against the church at all in any way, shape, or form. And there's no one off screen, like holding a gun. To my face <laughs> That's what it sounded like. It's what it sounded like. It's like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Off screen. We'll talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, it's crazy. Like you were talking about the rules that apply to celebrities and whatnot, or they should have rules. That's how the Vatican is. It's its own state. Like it's protected. It's like got archives and no one knows what's in there. I mean, there could be anything. Could Did, be a UFO in there or a UAP mm -hmm. in there. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> it's better than a government base where fucking people are just staring at with binoculars and just waiting for you to it's like some, something to come across. Maybe Bigfoot's there. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Elvis is there. I definitely like probably validate more things than I probably would have before. Like I would have like tried really hard at the beginning of the show to like come up with like a logical, like, like scientific answer to stuff. But then after speaking with so many people and like just learning about perspectives and stuff, I'm like, damn it. Like you have to, like, I validate anybody's like, I've talked to UFO experiencers. I've talked to people that tell you it's not real. I've talked to, I've talked to conspiracy people and I've talked to the people that debunk the conspiracies. And I think I probably have more difficulty trying to talk to the debunkers. Um, like some of the top guys like Mick West and Michael Shermer have been on the show and like, they just don't. And I mean, they make up reasonable points to stuff, but also they don't really like, they go out of their way to debunk stuff. That's what I don't like. Is like, I don't like the whole like dismissing. Like if you said to me right now, like what's the craziest thing you don't really tell people because people just roll their eyes at you. Jeez. Hmm. Uh, you like a cooking show. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would say like, uh, like if someone brought up like aliens or I experienced aliens and like what these debunkers do is they go after and trying to check, are you psychologically well? Are you all these types of things? But they do it like an arrogant way. And that's what I just like, that's where you get people that just end up getting pissed off that you're trying to invalidate their experience and stuff. Like I would never laugh at you if you told me that you were interested in stuff. I would joke with you, but you know, I'm joking. I would never like, you know, like, out of my way make you seem like an idiot or something no that's not but you're you're like let's we're jumping around everywhere let's go to the cooking thing that's important i when you said you liked cooking shows i was like you like watching fucking people like cook stuff that's that sounds all like british bake-off like oh my god if i have to hear someone talk about the crust thickness and how moist the crust is i'll throw up but then you talked about, no, I like the experience behind the people that do these shows. And I'm like, okay, I don't like Bear Grylls, but I like Anthony Bourdain. I like hearing the stories and experiences of trying heroin and, you know, going down this horrible fucking trip and then coming out of life with this newfound experience and a new wholeness for value of food and things. Of that sort. that's interesting. Man, I, I don't know. Chefs at one point were like fucking rock stars. Like Anthony Bourdain wrote this book, Kitchen Confidential, which is an autobiographical tale of the first, I don't know, 
20 years of his life in the kitchen, right? And how he got his start. The first scene is like fucking Goodfellas. So basically he's learning like where everything kind of fits in the kitchen, right? But then this bride-to-be, who, or sorry, this bride who got married on the day comes to him and he's like, comes to the chef, the head chef of the kitchen. It's like, hey, have you got like anything that we could like smoke or like pop pills or whatever? And the chef's like, all right, yeah, I got something. How much have you got on you? And the chick's like, oh, I don't have that much. He said that there were all these chefs looking out the back window as the chef that's like supplying the drugs, right, is just plowing this chick behind this dumpster outside. And he said, in that moment, I wanted to be a chef. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I think I learned more about because I worked at a hotel for a while and I learned more about the kitchen and how difficult it was and all the stress that they have to go. And I like that's why I wouldn't say I don't like I really don't eat out anymore, at least go to restaurants and stuff. But I definitely have an understanding a little bit more about the kitchen. Plus, I have friends who own food trucks and they explain about the hassle. I mean, any type of situation where you're in like it's a 100 degree day or something and you're working in a kitchen that's probably 120, it's a little bit more than that. And you have to rush around, create food, make orders, and you just have certain moments where there's nothing. There's nobody ordering anything. But then you have like the lunch rush. Then you have like dinner rush. And then you're literally busting ass for two and a half hours nonstop screaming and yelling. And that's what they told you in the, when you enter the kitchen usually is like, Hey, leave your feelings at the door because people are going to say shit to you. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be edgy. It's going to be racist. It's going to be a bunch of stuff, but don't take it personally. Just understand that it's the best way to get pressure out. And that's the best kitchens I've seen run have been like where people are just brutal as hell. But then afterwards they're drinking a beer after work or something. It's just like, okay, that's right. How you want your food done. Someone, they don't do that at Chipotle. That's why I don't trust them. I don't see anybody <laughs> yell when I'm, can I get more beef for my burrito? And they're like, uh, sir, if I do that, I won't be able to close it. I'm like, fucking try. And they're just like, <laughs> I want them to yell back at the person. Be like, no, I told you no more beef. Well, can I get a side of corn? You've already had enough. And then there's like rolling up your thing, <laughs> toss it at you like a fucking pig. <laughs> I've never been good with ordering sandwiches at Subway, any of these places. I would always be like, make it how you really? would make it. I'm just make it how you would make it. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't like telling people what I want. Like, I, not like, I don't know what I want to eat. This is just like, make it how you would make it. You know what's good. You know what's about to expire. Make what a food you would make to yourself. And I learned that because in my town, they have a thing called a Wawa, which is like a gas station where you can order subs. They have a thing called Hoagie Fest. It's like for a foot long is five bucks, anything you want, really. My buddy used to work there when I first started working out. So I'd be like, I need protein. I need all this type of stuff. Like, it's how you usually are when you first work out. You're like, I need to get my carbs. I need to get the day. And I'm just like, yeah, my macros. Yeah. I'm just like, I like uh, cheesesteak, just the cheesesteak, but I like lettuce and tomato and black pepper. That's all I ever want. And he would like double it up for me. And he goes, you know, I could tell you what's good and I can make you what's right. Like what's about to expire. I'm not going to give you, I'll give you the fresh stuff. And then I just started doing that at every restaurant I went to. That was like an order thing like that. If I'm not self-ordering from a screen and someone's making a sandwich, I'm like, you know, it's good. Just make me whatever. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't, I'm not going to complain about it. So it's just like, for me, I've always had a very great experience doing that. And it's like a small trick, you know, people, 
you never know what you like unless you try it. And a lot of people aren't trying things that are new. So it's like, you might as well just take that experience. I mean, it's hard. Like I wouldn't go to like a, a restaurant you've never been to before and be like, what's good. No, like if you're, allergic to curry don't let the guy order you a fucking soup special that's a curry you know what i mean like yeah yeah no i i get that what i what i do like why i'm like so interested in the cooking aspect right is because like i'm trying to get to this place where i'm not having any leftovers so i'm trying to incorporate everything that we have into a sandwich so i want like have you ever thought of just like being I've poor? Through being fucking, poor. You know those ramen noodles? That, that's just being poor. It's not being like a cook. That's just being poor. I know, but the creativity needed to balance flavors, to get the structure of the sandwich right. What are you going to use as a sandwich? I used a fucking cheese scone as a sandwich, and it was beautiful. What's your most poor creation you've ever made like it, it could be really really good but it was like a snack or a thing that you would make that was just like like i'll give you an example two slices of white bread place a piece of cheese on each slice put pepperoni on each piece and stick in the microwave for 10 seconds that was a childhood staple and then i grew up and i was like wait a minute we were just fucking poor <laughs> like i just i just didn't realize it but that was like a simple treat What's one for you? Well, for me, it would probably be like that, but like tomato sauce. And then you put it in this thing called a, um, it's like a sandwich thing that like has the cutout triangles. Have you guys got those? We might, it's but basically I just, like, I'm poor, so I don't know what that is. It's a sandwich press, but it seals the edges. Boy. And it's like... Could you make it uncrustable without, like, yeah, oh, no shit. Okay. Yeah. So you can, like, if the bread is big enough, right? Because the bread always sticks out because these things are like, it's not adjustable and not all bread is like made the same. So, mm -hmm. like, it basically, like, you put it in there, put all your fillings in, and then you put the top on the bread and then you press that shit down, right? And it basically, it seals everything. It's like, a pie sandwich maker. You said all bread's not made the same. Are you a breadist? No. Okay. I'm a bread enthusiast. Would you accept pumpernickel the same as you would accept a nice sourdough? You know what? I would because I don't engage in breaditary behavior. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I'm, yeah, I, I don't know, unless you have a machine press in your house. I've never heard of that before. Sorry. Um, the poorest thing that I've probably ever come up with is now, and it's like ramen noodles, right? But I throw whatever lunch meat I have in there. So it could be ham, could be chicken, could be whatever. Chuck it in there. Um, I put whatever spices I have in the cupboard, could be cayenne pepper, chili flakes, um, garlic powder, onion powder, salt, pepper, chuck that in there, bit of soy sauce, the seasonings from it. I take another brand of cheap noodles and I chuck that in there as well. And the shit becomes like a broth. 
if I have leftover chicken, I'll chuck that in there as well. Whatever to make it like, you know, more flavorful. Gravy sometimes is really good. Uh, you chuck the. Yeah. No, that adds to it, man. It really adds to it. This is and the reason you, why I asked that question was because whatever you think is like the best thing creation for some person, it's going to be absolutely awful. Like I, when I was a kid, I thought we could make so much money selling those peanut, those pepperoni cheese sandwich things. We never even thought of a name for it, but then everyone else like that, I would, you know, friends I would have over like, Oh God, that's disgusting. I'm like, what? It's just like, it's like a pizza, but there's without like all the, like the actual, like possible tomato sauce that you put on it. And then you realize like, but it's like going to a friend's house when you're a kid and you realize not everybody eats the same shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like my buddy, all he would eat was like his dad would cook up burgers and hot dogs all the time. And I was like, at this point, like I, I was so used to having like fish and all this type of stuff where I was like, I don't really want a burger. And his dad's like, what the fuck do you want then? <laughs> Who, came over- Who invited him? <laughs> Should have came over on taco night, man. I'm like, when's taco <laughs> night? He's like Tuesdays. I'm like, that's a school day. He's like, why are you in school? I'm like, I'm 10. Like school. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, what is the the weirdest sandwich you've ever been given after saying, make me what you would eat? Anything with mayo. Wow. I fucking okay. hate mayo. Oh, wow. God. It makes me sick to my stomach when I see. Like, it was like when I was a kid in school, and um, I'm just making sure I, I was... Okay. All right. Yeah. I just, I had to look up my buddy's dad on Facebook. I was like, is he's like, he, he's always doing, he's always saying something like he comments like a video mine or something, but um, when it's a Mayo sandwich. And I think it's like when I was in school and I would sit at in the cafeteria and people would get like, if you order lunch, you get like a chocolate milk, you get like a, a regular milk. And then there was that kid that got strawberry. And I don't know why to me, it was so disgusting. But then once I got like my taste buds changed, once I got older, like I got out of school and everything, I could handle strawberry milk. That sounds delicious. But like, I don't know, like when your taste buds change when you're a kid from when you're an adult, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just because you're more broke and you realize you have to try and make whatever works just to survive. I don't know. It's true. (laughs) It's very, very true. Uh, In... Like in my household growing up, we would have like an egg sandwich. We'd, we'd call them toasted eggs, right? But all it would be would be tomato with like seasoning, salt and pepper on there, onion, fresh onion, and then a fried egg, like sunny side up, yolk still runny, everything. And then you'd like toast the bread in the pan with everything in there. And then that would be the, that'd be the sandwich. And it was fucking excellent. That's fair. I don't, I don't like, I don't eat normal breakfast. I would say I'm, I'm mostly a, like normal to me, cereal. I eat cereal. That's fine. But like some people like oatmeal. I hate oatmeal. I can't do oatmeal. Wow. Okay. Yeah. See, but that, that's not a breakfast sandwich. We would have that for dinner. Oatmeal? No, no. The oh. Egg sandwich. Oh, okay. Well, if you're eating breakfast for dinner, it's probably because someone's hung over. That's what I figured out when I was a kid. Like my dad would be like, French toast for dinner. I'm like, either you can't cook anything else. And I know he can, or you're hung over. And he's like, it's one of the two. That's for sure. I'm like, all right. So we're <laughs> going with the second one for sure. <laughs> uh, but the tastiest sandwiches I've found have mayo on them. 
like you know how you have like a BLT. I'm not, right? I'm not even going to entertain the discussion. That's one thing. Like <laughs> I, I just can't. Whenever I see it in somebody's house, I'll choose any. Like if there's a condiment I need to use, like a hot sauce or something, and it's next to the mayo in the fridge, I will not use the hot sauce because it's right beside the mayo, and I don't even want to look at it. It just makes me physically ill. What do you? What about sriracha mayo? Not even sriracha mayo. I don't even know. What, is that a mayo that has sriracha in it? Yeah, that's a thing. I've never heard it's of that. It's a big thing. All right. Well, there's a, lot of, there's, got a, one. there's a lot of things I don't know about. Like there's like 80 different types of peanut butter I didn't know about. I thought like they're just crunchy and they're smooth. And they're like, no, we got the one with the jelly yeah. in it. We got the one that has the water in it. And you're like, what's water in it? Well, it's the oils from the butter that actually go. I'm like, see, so what do you have to do with it before you open it? Well, you dump the juice. Well, why don't I just get the one that doesn't have juice in it? Well, that's not as healthy as the one with juice in it. Are you sure? It does not what? sound right. No, it doesn't. Like we only legit have the crunchy, the smooth, and then they have all this other shit like whole peanuts and organic, <laughs> which I've never tried. I will never go out for like organic or whole peanut peanut butter. I know. It's just way more money. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say one more thing and then I wanna I, I gotta ask you about something. But I remember my nephew, he's so used to eating smooth peanut butter that when I gave him a peanut butter sandwich with, he's like four, with crunchy peanut butter in it, he bit into it. And the look of betrayal that I got from him wasn't necessarily that he wasn't happy with the peanut butter. It's just like you weren't expecting it to have that crunch. And it's just like his look yep. of like, what did you, like, did I just break a tooth? You poisoned me. Did I just like, did you slip a pill in my food? And it's like, you just realize like you're so, so many people are so used to the same routine or the same things of how they do things every single day that when it's yeah. not necessarily the same, they like, there's this moment of like, oh shit, I got to remember that it's not like this for everybody. Like you, you probably have a bunch of daily mm -hmm. stuff that you don't even realize that other people don't do. Mm. Yeah. And I like operate within like a big structure. Like there's, there's, yeah, like I, I kind of, I have a structure for my morning and looking after my son, then I have my work process and then like what I do when I get home from work and it's all structured. I'm sorry. When you said big structure, I just pictured you putting like on a factory top hat, like one of those hard hats and like grabbing one of those steel lunch boxes and just carrying it into like a steel working factory. I'm like, like you work at a factory, big structure factory, big structure. You're like, no, no, no. Just my daily. Do, actually. A, you do. Do you really steal? Not, I don't, I don't work at like a steel mill or factory, but I work at a warehouse. Amazon. No, no, I, I can't, uh, I can't um, say which one unfortunately, but it's probably like one of the biggest warehouses. Google. It's, it's not a tech company at all. Walmart. No, we don't have Walmart in Australia, unfortunately, which sucks. What do Jealous you guys have that. besides Walmart? Uh, man, we've got like Kmart. We've got Target. What the Big fuck w. is Kmart and Target doing over in Australia? That's nuts. I don't even think we have those here anymore. Kmart is the fucking best place to go. I always go for one thing, like a light bulb or something, and like roll out with a trolley full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how they get you. They keep everything in the back, what you need. And then 
it's like the stores move around. Trap. Like where you walk in, you're like, I know the vegetables are as soon as I walk in, it's the first thing you walk into the grocery store, there's vegetables right there. But then like the one time that's what you're only going there for, it happens to be at the back of the store. You're like, what the hell? They're like, oh, we were reorganizing. I'm like, you son of a bitch. I'm going to walk past all the cool shit. <laughs> that's what my parents that's would it. do when we go to the store. They like cover your eyes and walk you to where they need to go to get there. Cause you're always asking for shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like we got to a point where my dad was just like, we're not getting anything. Don't even ask. Like, All right. Well, don't even take your kids to the store. You know, they're going to ask for something. Yeah. But if I take my nephew, well, if I take my nephew to the store, I feel the need to get him something. I don't know why. I just ask him. Like he's looking at something like you want that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> now I voluntarily get my son stuff now. If I go solo to the shops and be like chocolate bar, he likes that one. I'll grab that one. Just thinking about others Kids before yourself. Good man. Good man. Yeah. 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 All right. You gotta put, we'll put that spin on it. You gotta put a, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I was literally about to say you gotta put that positive spin on it. Um so the question I wanted to ask you is when in your life did you realize like did everything change for you about your family? Like, when did you realize that your childhood idea of your family was different from your adulthood? Like when I, when I was oh, graduate, when I graduated high school, my grandpa was just, he, he cursed before, but it was just like a different level when I got out and it was just more, more normal. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I got to mow the fucking lawn. I was like, before you used to make me do it. He's like, yeah. He's like, but now you're an adult. I can't make you do things anymore. I'm like, what? It's because I'm stronger than you. He goes, I will still take you down. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> okay, John Wayne. That's because that's always what he used to watch. Uh, man, that would be when I was 27 and I had kids. My whole idea of what my parents did and looking at it like, ah, oh, they did that to us as opposed to they did that for us. And it's not when you taste desperate and you're poor and you have money troubles and you kind of like fight tooth and nail to, to get to a better financial position that you actually understand that, oh shit, my parents did this. And I was like slating them the whole fucking way. Like, how come we don't have the stuff that like, you know, other people have? And it's like, well, all they were doing was surviving. And now I'm just surviving. <laughs> so you, it's that understanding. My, um, my, my buddy's 30 and he has like a six year old kid and he, he tells me all the time. He's like, there's so many things you don't know about until you have a kid, what the issues are. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, my kid goes to school and he talks about another kid that has like a really nice backpack. I have to buy that kid. I have to buy my kid a backpack. And I'm like, well, no, you don't. You just let your kid use the backpack that you bought him before. He goes, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm not going to let some other person's parent show me up and show my kid up. And I'm like, what and you just realize like oh shit there's not only the fear of like making sure that your kid knows that you're not poor like oh we're not poor we're not poor so you're buying them things but now you have this aspect of like i gotta make sure i show the other fucking parents up what it's the whole reason there's an honor roll sticker on the back of people's cars when they have honor and this is what i think i've ranted about this like episode 600 of mine i really went on a tear about this because it pissed me off so bad there was a guy like those cars. I would wait in the driving line and I would stare at the back of their car would be honor roll student, honor roll student again, again, again. And it was so covered all over their back windshield where you couldn't see out of it. Then it was labeled all the way down to their bumper. And I'm like, that's just to show off because you think, that, oh, I'm a I'm a bad parent. 
but my kid's awesome. So I'm going to show off my kid to show how good of a parent I am. And I'm just like, my dad, my dad was always like, why can't you get like one of those? And I'm like, I don't know. Do you really want me to take school seriously? He's like, that's fair. Fair. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, good compromise. Um, Man, for me, I don't compete with other parents. Like, fortunately, I don't like that's not something that I that I have to balance just mentally when I look at like parents dropping their kids off in a fucking Tesla or something and I'm in a Subaru. Um for me, it's am I kind of am I giving knowledge or am I just doing like the groundwork and they're just like expecting things like for instance I will cook most of the meals that my kids eat so that they don't associate dinner with a fucking doorbell and a delivery guy dropping shit off. Damn. I didn't even think about that. And also like money. Like, cause they don't teach you shit in school, right? Like the school system's just fucked. Like what? Uh-huh. Like Py- Pythagoras, Pythagoras. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use that shit. But you know what would be great? Budgeting. Give me a fucking class on budgeting and how to balance that shit and taxes. There's essential life skills. There's essential life skills you need. And then I think school is beneficial, though. Um, I just wish that it was it should. I'm not blaming the teachers for this. I'm really not. And I have friends that are teachers. I would just blame the way that it's set up. Like you can't expect a teacher to teach a class of 35 kids. But if I would have went back to school with how I am now, just very interested in like Shakespeare, interested in all that shit, I would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But my parents, in in my opinion, got lucky. My, you know, I never, I don't think anybody would have thought that my curiosity would lead me into looking into a bunch of like I like the government shit. I like looking through documents. I like the historical record about the cold war, a spy history, people that have fucking blow darts in their umbrellas, real spies that have like these crazy ass things, dude, that stuff's interesting to me. I mean, that's my curiosity though. And hopefully like my kid's curiosity is going to be benefit. Like the best thing you could do, like, and I would say is the worst thing is something that you mentioned, which is making sure that you're putting in more knowledge into your kid than you're not. And that's like very hard to do because I think we all know the people that like, you know, walk with their nose a little bit higher than the others. And they act like life is like this meaningless balance of like chaos and order. And you're just like, fuck you. Like, I want to like the, the one guest that's the hardest for me to talk to on my show is anybody who's a philosopher. Cause it's like, philosophy is studying like the meaning of life basically or the meaning of principles of all these aspects and when you research that as a job you become a bit of a dick i hate to say it like that but it's and it's some some of them do it well some of them do it really well but some some people just feel like you know it's that entitlement thing i hate and it's like yo if you really consider people equal then you should value my opinion as much as your own or i'm not really your equal and they don't look at it like that. They look at it like I've been studying life longer than you. So I think I know what the meaning is. And I'm just like, well, so if you have a parent that does, I couldn't even imagine. I could not imagine being that child in that family where like the dad's a philosopher. My dad was a fucking kiss oh. drummer. My dad was in a tribute band to kiss and he still is. I'm pretty sure. That's awesome. So like That's my so parents, cool. my parents are radio personalities and DJs. Nobody was fucking home. So it's like, 
figure shit out. So it's like either play Xbox or just like get onto some bad shit on the internet. I don't know. And then you just grow. And it's like, that's a, that's a probably a topic I'm more interested in. I, I might make a documentary about that. The digital world. How do you make it Let's more kids? Well, how do you make the digital world a place where you understand what you're entering? I mean, I think when you talk about Google stealing your data and things of that sort, you also have to understand the other aspect to it, which is the fact is they make it free for you to access their services. That means if they're going to sell your stuff, that's their right to. So then you just have to accept that. And like for me, I spend less time on the Internet. Really? You didn't notice like on my social media, I just post and ghost. I don't even stay on it that long. No. But yeah, I, I did notice that like on Twitter and stuff like that. It's just legit episode drop. I'm out. Well, it's just, it's safer for your mental health. Once, and I, I get people talk about like, uh, oh, safer for your mental health. Like some people roll their eyes, like, oh my God, what do you have to worry about? But it's just like, it, it really is. If you're refreshing your follower count over and over again, if you spend way more time on social media, not enjoying real aspects of your life or just doing anything else, but you feel like you need to be on it all day, doing it because you're bored is one thing. But just doing it out of force of habit, like it's weird. I'll be at my work and people will be like on their Twitter or on their Instagram. And I'm just like, I'm so happy I don't deal with that anymore. Like, it's just like, it's a demon. To be honest, I do that. Like, I'm constantly posting. And I feel like I have to constantly post. Like, because you want to grow. As like someone who runs a podcast, I want to grow. So what am I doing to make sure that I stay relevant? And that's that's why I'm on social media all the time. But man, like I did do the social media detox and my chemicals were flowing freely after the month. <laughs> that's for sure. Do you wait, do you feel the reliance of having to do it because you're like the main producer of the podcast that you do? Smoke and Mirrors podcast? Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like I'm trying to kind of set the direction. So what am I putting up? That's content. And people are like, cause people are going to like relate to something and then relate that to the show that you're making. So then you're, you're trying to get people to join you on the journey. And that's how you grow a fan base, like an audience. This is probably where I would focus if I did a documentary about the digital world. I would point out the giant danger of having every success or every sales pitch of a story of how to be successful happens to do now through the online platform. I don't believe it. I used to believe it all the time. I used to think like how you think where I need to be posting. I need to make episode clips. I need to do that. Dude, I had Dr. Peter McCullough and he's a great guy. I enjoy having him on the show and I would have him on again, but he was like, can you make clips for your episode of ours? So I could share it on my platform. I was like, I can't do that, dude. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have, it's not that I don't have the time. I just don't want to, you know what I mean? And it's like, anybody would be like, it's like, imagine getting like a top guest and you're like, oh my God, this person wants clips. I have to hurry up and make clips. That wasn't me. I was like, man, I mean, you can snip off whatever you want from the episode and post it on your thing, but I can't do it. It's not that I was trying to be rude. It's just like, I just don't think that you need to always post or make these things for people to find your stuff it might be different for your show for instance like my posting less i've gotten more views 
just because it's word of it's just word of mouth though like you got to understand if you type in rob smith that's it just type in rob smith there's going to be a video link and that video will be one of my episodes of you on my show so imagine all the guests i've had and then just typing in their name on google and then a video pops up with them in it and then that person clicks into it so, I mean, that's just the benefits of doing like a, I guess, a conversation with different people every day. But, you know, for yours, it's just it's anybody that types in like smoking or anything like that. You just got to get that up to the top of the charts. But I dude, I, I could I couldn't do what you do, which is like posting and making like clips for stuff, thinking about what you guys are going to talk about, making sure that it's like, you know, edited great. Like mine's like I just snip off the beginning and the end and throw it in the episode. You know what I mean? But. I don't know. I mean, people like that or they don't, but the, the social media platform like benefit to your growth is so nuts to me where I'm like, that wasn't like that a hundred years ago. That wasn't like that 50 years ago, 20 years ago. Not at all. No, that's right. And the reason like clips are a big thing and TikTok is such a big thing is because people need like small bite-sized little pieces to get an in, just a peek inside. And if that's like, you know, enough to kind of entice them to your platform and like they want to watch the full thing that's kind of why i do it your production value is definitely way better than mine though yeah but like is it really the shiny wrapper or is it the content inside because like how many people are drawn to outside of joe rogan like what's the other show that actually has long form content like you put out a fucking nine hour episode when you know what I mean? For nine eleven. Oh yeah, you said you had nine yeah. hours. Well, it worth was of content. It was six hours, um, with four different people, and it would have been longer too. But Spotify has an upload limit on how long you can do an episode. So I was like, damn, that's a good thing. When I do my film, it's going to be on Spotify too. Ah, because you're through Anchor. Yeah, but I'm going to put it up on there because it'll have video, so at least you can see it. Because that was the thing. If I make a film, I can make it free and not have to worry about copyright stuff because anything JFK related is copyright. But then if I did the more way that would be better for me as a person, but it would be kind of shitty for other people, would be I would charge $2.99 and upload it to Netflix, upload it to all these other streaming services. But then I'd have to go through getting documentation written down agreements of using these people's you know like so much bullshit but you don't really know until you start making it's like when you do a podcast you don't know all the behind the work stuff until you start doing it the same thing with a film so i was like i'll just make it free and then i'll upload it like to all the podcast platforms so some of them have video so you'll be able to watch it and it'll get more exposure out there plus it's a fucking passion project and i could put it on imbb so yeah. Yeah. And the last one was awesome. The no, blank film. No, it wasn't. That was terrible. For me, like, I like all that stuff. Like, what I like to do on YouTube probably more now, like, I don't like paying for movies and, like, really high camera. Like, someone says, oh, it's an award-winning film that comes out. That's cool and all, but I like seeing, like, content-created stuff. Like if you made a movie, if other people made a movie, you know, more of that independent type stuff. I just appreciate it more. I don't know. Yeah. I, I get that, especially with those, the, the different perspectives as well. Like, I feel like with movies, we've seen every kind of concept you can really put together. You know what I mean? But 
the execution of it and the perspective is always different. They're making a fucking Winnie the Pooh horror movie where apparently the background is they ate Eeyore. So I'm like, Christ, nothing is safe in my childhood anymore. <laughs> like ever next is going to be Toy Story. All the toys are coming back for Andy because they left them. Like, good God. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, dude. And 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 also they're going to kill Christopher Robin, it looks like. I know there's a I think in the trailer they had a girl sleeping in the bathtub and Piglet came up behind her and like snapped her neck or something like that. I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> Just no remorse. Could Love you it. imagine them dusting off like the Teen Titans to do a horror film? Yeah, they should. Like, I think there's there's a lens there. There is an appetite there skewered things it's almost like when the brothers grim wrote shit and it was already fucked up and then disney or like don bluth whoever took the story redid it and then it was like this sort of clean cut version of it but like stories like the little mermaid is pretty fucked up do you but do you like for me i prefer if someone's going to make a film that's based on a real thing, I'd rather it not have any fantasy aspects to it. I'd rather it just be historically right. And maybe that's just because like diving into the JFK topic when someone's explaining a lot of stuff, if it's not verified, you realize that this person could just be telling you their own twist on how it went, which is not wrong. It's good to like listen to and talk about like on a show or something. But if you're really trying to like, yeah, know the historical value of stuff it's like oh shit like you got to be careful when someone like that's where like people say like, conspiracy stuff but it's like for real things like the movie uh once upon a time in hollywood with brad pitt and leonardo dicaprio based on the manson murders at the ending that's the manson murders where they went to that tate family's house and they went to go kill them that was that what that was that was what the farm was where brad pitt went and you realize oh shit that's not just movie that's real stuff but it's their twist take on it and some of it is real like there's a lot of things like the i don't know if i want to if you ever read tom o'neill's book what he exposed through the freedom of information act about vincent bugulosi and vincent bugulosi wrote he was the trial prosecutor in the manson murders he create he right okay. he committed perjury in the trials he put they they hired a prosecutor to go on the defendant's side and sabotage the trial so they would lose. All this shit came out after the, the people were already dead. Now, if you commit perjury in, a, in, in, in the Manson trials, if you commit perjury, they, those people, you can be put to death. Those people were put to death. Some of them, I think, did die. I think they were put to death. I think it was five people. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Jesus. but So if you commit perjury in a murder trial and there those people the, the sentence is death you get sentenced to death because you're lying to make this person basically get killed so that's what this guy did and this guy vince bugulosi the book ended up coming out after his death which sucked because this guy interviewed him and this dude was like so this guy wrote a book about jfk and it was called um it was a it was about the critics of the warren commission the people that don't believe the official story he was just attacking them and telling them everything so i go even if you don't like believe in the conspiracy aspect why would you defend someone who beat a woman who was pregnant and had her miscarry and lied about it for all these years and it ended up coming out way after the fact 
that person wrote a book saying that there is no conspiracy behind JFK. I don't give a shit. Your character background is not someone I want to be on the same side with. You know what I mean? Like that's right. That's, yeah. that's what you start getting into is like you start realizing like there's a like a I mean there's weird stuff on both sides. Mark Lane, for instance, the guy who not only defended one of the guests I had on the show who talked JFK with me, but also um, defended Lee Harvey Oswald for a brief amount of time um, before his mother fired him. Um, he was in Jonestown. He wrote a book about that too. I came across a file with his name in it. And I don't know if I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't know. But like, there's just a lot of things like I, and it's a weird part in history when you start realizing that we build up history to look like Superman, but Superman smokes cigarettes and is a bit of a drinker. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think it's important to know that type of stuff. But I don't know, like, for me, I just like even like my conversation with you, I don't care about your background. I don't care about what happened before you're just talking to me and my relationship develops for how our conversation goes and the way you treat me. Everything else is, you know, it's stuff I really don't need to know about, but there's just a lot of stuff where you start realizing, like, you know, like, what is it, uh, all the scandals that all these people have, you know, actors and all this type of stuff, like, yeah, they're human, but like, if you just deny that those things are real, which is what this guy did about the Manson murders, dude, he was involved in like the OJ trial, he was involved in so much stuff where you start realizing, holy shit, that like, did the the, the guy we thought was the good guy. And like, I see articles about this guy and he's dead and we're not crap on on a dead person, obviously, but you see articles about him, like greatest man alive and all this type of stuff. And you're just like, yo, he was a piece of shit and they covered it up. And it's like, obviously everyone has flaws, but damn it. Like, you know how many people in society get shit thrown at them and they're necessarily not even a bad guy but they get shit thrown at them. And then like you get the good people that are hiding their shit. And it's just corruption, dude. It's like the government. The government's not going to tell you about drugging civilians like they did in the 50s and 60s and might still be doing today. But they cover that up and they make you think like, oh, we're here to protect you. No, you're not. You're fucking, if I was an enemy or a communist, you would fucking light me up. <laughs> uh, I could just imagine him listening right now. Like, I know. Can you just like say all the trigger trigger words like Russian enemy communist. Yeah, that's a big thing, though. I mean, that was such a peak point, and I'm I, I'm very interested in the Cold War right now because of that. But um, I mean, they they were knocking on people's doors saying you got to buy a, a nuclear bomb shelter because you know we don't know when we're going to be at World War, and I was just like, whoa. And the media had a really big part to play in that. I mean, the media is they've been. Media is controlled by government. Um, movies are controlled by government. And it all sounds crazy. But like I said, I had that guy that did the documentary on my show about it. And he brought all the documents. I mean, he has, he sent it to me. He never showed them on air, but he made a film called Theaters of War. And it shows they did FOIA requests, dude. And they changed the ending script to Jurassic Park. That's how crazy it is. The ending on the uh, is it the third one or the first one where they're like, "Thank God for the Marines." Did you know that was added ah, yeah, in? The third one. Yeah, so it's like everyone hears that and they go, "Oh, the, the Marines must be awesome." And it's like that's small propaganda, but dude, I put up a file, and I've mentioned this so many times, so people listening are probably like, "Oh, fuck, he's saying this again." Dude, I found a file on the FBI. You can go to the FBI site right now and look this up. There's a file on Walt Disney, and I'm like, "What?" So there's a, a brief moment in our a guy named J. Edgar Hoover in our history. And during 
they, they basically hired um, a bunch of FBI agents to invade Hollywood. They have files on Frank Sinatra. They have file on like every single top name actor and musician all back then because they were in basically investigating them to see if they were a communist and they were going to interrogate them. So there's a thing called the Hollywood tent. If you look this up, it's a real thing. The FBI was like marking down files on like the top 10 suspects of who they were in communism, like if they were communists. So they would like go to invite these people to dinner, infiltrate their like movie scenes, hang out with these people and try and sort out if they were against America or not. And um, Walt Disney's file is 700 pages. The first page is so like understandable. It's like we're going to put FBI it's 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 a letter to J Edgar Hoover. It's like we're going to put FBI agents in our Mickey Mouse cartoons so the kids see it and they want to be FBI agents when they grow up. To me, I I can 100% agree with that. That's fine. That's not bad at all. I don't I think you agree it's not bad, right? It's not that's not rough. It's yeah. It's all right. <laughs> a Mickey Mouse cartoon with an FBI agent. But then you get 600 pages in, which I did. I looked through each individual one. I was so interested. Also, I was a little hammered. And I was scrolling through. And around page 643 or 90 something, it goes, he was ratting out people in, that worked for him that were striking up labor unions and calling them communists and having them interrogated by the FBI and deported just for striking up a labor union. And then I'm like, oh my God, he's a bad guy. And then you realize every photo where Walt Disney's pointing like this, they Photoshopped a cigarette out of his fingers because he just smoked all the time. So it just looks like he's pointing. And you're just like, oh my God, my childhood's a lie. Winnie the Pooh's a mass murderer. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's all like that, really far out. You got to laugh at it, though, because it'll just it's like social media. If you let it consume you, it will. You just got to have fun with it. Yeah, that's I think that was the biggest thing. Social media and realizing that Twitter is not a real place, because last year there was this big push for everyone to get vaccinated. And I was holding out because I was like, I want it to be like FDA approved. I want it to be like I want the bulk of people to go through to see what the adverse reactions are. Then, like, there was so much discourse on the internet and Twitter and everything. I love your thinking. I just want to see people take it first and see what happens. Like, fucking, I'm going to wait. Yeah. Man, like, the first thing that I thought about was if I die or if something happens and my life is, like, irrevocably changed forever, All right. what the hell am I going to do? Careful. Like, YouTube kids? will flag that shit. Careful. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I just basically said, fuck it, take the plunge. But on the internet, there was so many people going like, you know, if everyone just took it, we would be out of lockdown. So, so you kind of like take on that guilt and you feel it and every day and every interaction that you have. And it's like, I can't trust people. Should I trust people? Will they agree with me? Will they be against me? Will that relationship be destroyed? And then, yeah, that was that was kind of like my eyes opening up and then going, just fuck it. I I, I like like I, I'm glad that like this would be like on the record, I would say, only because when we hear it later, we won't ever forget what that was like. Like, I think 
with enough time, people have forgotten how difficult it was in the beginning and how like hard everything was. And people are like, you just got to move on. I'm like, well, you also have to remember to draw your fucking boundaries on shit. They labeled something as a horse paste. And now that thing is on the CDC website as an approved medication to be used. So that was two and a half years of bullshit where you realize that like it, it, it there's a lot of like difficult things about it whether i don't care what your stance on and COVID is at all i've talked to people in the nih the who and i've talked to people on the complete opposite side i can tell you 100 percent for a fact that everyone was guessing on a lot of this shit and that's exactly the answers i got and i don't hold anybody to it i don't hold any grudges or anything but i think you have to be very very conscious where you're not accepting advice from your fucking celebrities on what to do medically. You should be looking and talking to your individual doctors who know you the best. And that's another thing where I get into personalized medicine. Doctors shouldn't have 10, 15 patients they have to take care of. Each doctor should have a great relationship with their patient. That means you should have a total of five patients that you see Monday through Friday, basically different days you schedule them in, but you talk to them, you get to know them. I've had I think two, two doctors in my life that have been like that. I haven't been to the doctors in probably ooh, six months, seven months. They keep messaging wow. me to make an appointment. I'm like, I don't need to fucking see you. Like, why? I'm like, for a checkup <laughs> where you see me for 10 minutes and we're, you don't care about me. Like the, yeah, <laughs> my doctor before then, it was crazy, dude. Cause I went, I went into my doctor's office and I would always like, it's my personality. How I am on the show is how I am in real life. So like after a while she got, she figured it out and she's like, can you just, can you just like, can you work with me? I'm like, um, work with you. Like, I don't want to be a doctor. And like, no, as a patient, like, can you just not like, just, can you just do what I say for like five minutes? And I'm like, all right, sure. Five minutes That's it. time starting now. Um, but it's like jokes, <laughs> jokes like that and having fun. And then like, she remember her, her last day, her name's Courtney. She was like, you know, you, you seem like you have like a lot of like a like kind of abandonment issues. I was like, I was like, probably deep down I'm hiding it. And um, she's like, I hate, to, I hate to say this and I'm not joking, but I'm actually moving to North Carolina and I'm not gonna be your doctor anymore. I'm like, you're fucking around. No, she's here. She was serious. <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> so it was like, but I still keep a con. She listens to the show. So it's like, I mean, Hey, you got to have like, I think when it comes to like doctors, when it comes to the education system, I used to have very controversial takes on that stuff. I have controversial takes now about everything, but I also give a lot of leniency to a lot of things. My only issue is, is that I give you leniency in the beginning for not knowing what a pandemic can do. But when you're still doubling down on everything, even though we know that it's not true anymore, you have to just change it. But there's this idea of like, will they lose faith in me? It's like when you're hanging out with your parents. If you ask a question to your parents when you're a kid and you don't know, you're just like bullshit. Let me make it up because you don't want to look like an idiot in front of your kid and you don't want your kid to feel like you don't have the answers so they'll never come to you. I mean, it's a breaking thing. It's just like in our society. And then there's also the way that you like sort of you speak because you don't want to incite any more panic than what there already is. So the words that you use, the verbiage that you have to use is very different. The best thing you can do as a parent is make sure your kid doesn't ever ask you a question. Just make sure they fucking Google it and let them find whatever source they find it from. <laughs> 
Like you just got to take your chances at that point. I mean, we're in a digital age right now where you could say one thing to your kid. And back in the day, your dad could tell you something like, I love you, son. You didn't have to Google it because you couldn't Google it. But now you could just Google it. Does my dad really love me? And then you find a blog post about how your parents are fucking lying to you. <laughs> like Because his father never loved him. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're in a, we're in a, I think as a parenting changes throughout the times, it's just different to see. I'm seeing a lot of newer generation parents. I wonder if it's like, um, if you're like this as well too, where you're choosing healthier options and you probably did as a kid and you're kind of doing more of like a more involved parenting probably than what your parents probably did. It seems like my generation of parent, like my age who are parents are more involved, but my parents, their generation was like disconnected and then their grandparents were like kind of connected but they were more hard asses so you they were there but you didn't want them to be you know what i mean yeah yeah that's right there was that overprotective nature that they would have had like everything would have been chaperoned everything would have been sort of designed and, and staged out there was also like the expectations that those like people in that generation would have had like the goals for women back then the goals for men back then what their daily duties would have been I'll give you a good example, personal example. My parent, my parents were DJs. When I lived with my dad, my dad was just go, go out as long as you want. You don't have a curfew. Like when I was like 15, because I know you'll be home. And that's give me, give me the full world, whatever response. Give me the no responsibilities, no bedtime, none of this type of stuff. Go out and do whatever you want. I was skateboarding until three o'clock in the morning. And then I would just, I would come home. My dad always knew, like, just give him what, because he wasn't there. So it was like, just give him, you know, it's better to have freedom than, you know, it's better to, I guess the, the quote would be, it's better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. So he was like, instead of using that, I'd rather just say, do whatever the hell you want. And I know you'll be responsible and make smart decisions. And I did. And he got lucky in that sense. But then you take his examples of his dad parenting him. If he did anything wrong, like was out, past curfew his dad threw him through a fucking wall so it was like there's that where it's like okay they're more involved but necessarily you didn't want them to be involved so then you have my age of parenting where every kid and every friend that i have, even exes that i have that have kids they're all like helicopter parents like make sure you're putting on sunscreen make sure you're doing this i'm like jesus christ i'm like i, hope I don't be like that Fuck. yeah yeah and again it's because of google like or not just Google, but like everything. Like there's so much information now that you've got to cater for all of it. Like if your kids don't eat fucking three servings of vegetables every day, they're going to die. <laughs> and if your kids like don't wear a hat out to school, they're going to die. It's like, it just mounts this pressure on you. And then if you don't do one of those fucking things, you're the worst parent ever. You sound like my, uh, what is it? My, driver school teacher where like everything he would say like you don't take this left turn when you're supposed to take a left turn and there's no straightaway you're going to the morgue and that was always his answer after everything was you're going to the you know what happens if you don't have your seatbelt on you're going to the morgue you know what happens if you don't let the lady pass in front of you through the crosswalk you're going to the morgue i'm like jesus christ that's how it feels like to parent nowadays because you don't get it just from one side you get it from like your parents Oh, we used to do that when you were younger. So you didn't die. And look, like you got kids of your own. I was like, all right, cool. And then you you find like another piece of information that goes against what they said. And it's like, 
well, actually, I read this on the internet. And they're like, oh, okay. And they're so offended because now they think mm. that everything that they did was wrong. <laughs> and they're bad parents. Bill Burr has the best joke about this, and it's the best version for society. It's like when they first invented the car and they only gave the driver seatbelts, and then that driver got into a car accident and his whole family died. Oh, my family. Oh, why? And then they added seatbelts to everybody's seats. But I mean, look at the, look at the way we put in like, what is it? You weren't supposed you were supposed to have the baby in the middle of the car. And then in in this in the seat, the car seat, and then now it's like behind the seats now. Or is it the opposite where I was like, it didn't make sense to, yeah, you get it. If a car hits you from the side, it's not going to crush your kid, but then your kid's in the middle. So what happens if a car hits you from behind and the kid just flies right through the fucking windshield? That's right. Yeah. All the whiplash and the head just comes straight off. Oh God. <sighs> yeah. <I'd... laughs> Fuck man. But like, if you live with the idea of just always like something's going to happen, something's going to fucking happen. You know what I mean? And that's why what your dad did was a fucking blessing in disguise. And it's weird that I go back to like religious terminology when like it's something that's like great and imparted onto you because like if he didn't do that, man, the confidence just probably wouldn't be there like he trusted you and i think trust from a parent to a child is probably the biggest thing that's missing from parenting nowadays i think it's a safe connection to be friends with your kid but also keep that relationship of being a parent involved as well too like you want your kid to talk to you about like you want your kid to talk to you about stuff but you also don't want your kid to be too comfortable to the point where they just can be, be like it's i feel for anybody as a parent out there like just i think it's all a, like a, a a thing of chance like you necessarily don't know if they're going to come out to be a piece of shit but you pray to god that's it right. doesn't happen yeah. like that that's right ted bundy jeffrey dahmer they have parents hey there's government <laughs> influence there there's government influence there <laughs> oh man yeah you really don't know it's a mixed bag like how about those those fucking terrible parents who were like addicts and and were never there and they were just absent and their kids grow up to be like fucking honor roll students <laughs> or like the parents that were always there and the kids go on to like shoot up a school or something like that like jesus it really is chaos god damn Can you imagine that you just retire with a 401k and your kid gets caught being a school shooter that would be terrible they're like, fuck, I got to get a second job again. <laughs> fuck that, man. Fuck that. If my kid was caught, like, actually doing it, they knew it was him. They caught him. They actually took him alive. Like, he would need to go to prison. I'd still love him, but fuck, he would need to go. I would not even, like, support a claim that he's not guilty. Maybe oh, insane. That's a tough topic. But not I, don't guilty. To I don't want to touch that topic. Uh, all right, all right, all right, all right, I can make fun of the honor roll parents, but Jesus. <laughs> Good God. You know, OJ's parents still supported him after all that shit. Oh. Like, fuck, I don't care what he did. Did you see Naked Gun? He did, it was great, Naked Gun. <laughs> he killed Naked Gun. I don't know if he killed that woman, but he killed Naked Gun. <laughs> if I didn't, if I did an OJ doc, I would make sure I get OJ specifically on the show to talk about it. 
Have you seen? He's on Twitter all the time. I invited him to do the show. He's, he never replied. You just got to just got to keep doing it, man. Just got to keep inviting him. Maybe the next time, like call the documentary The Juice. The Juice. It's yeah, worth the squeeze. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe the documentary is just about you getting OJ on the show. It's like, that's the squeeze. I did reach out to a person. He was like, it's going to be $2,000 for me to do your show. And I, I asked for 20 minutes to do a film thing. It was the guy book I mentioned to you about the Manson murders. He was like, it's going to be $2,000 for 20 minutes. And I was like, actually, you know what? I'm just going to use this email as you being in my film. I'm just going to use that remark about like, I reached out to him and he sent me this and it's like $2,000. So that's going to be a part in the film. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. And then you get like a receipt later, like an invoice. That'll be fifty dollars for using that screenshot in the film. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I would uh, pay to have a lot of this stuff like collections and actual footage, but like it's if I waited another 10 years, I could do it without even asking for permission because it would all be free. It would it would all be uh fair use because it's over like 70 years, I think, but Everything is like owned, like all the digital, the news re reporting, the Walter Cronkite interviews. And it's like, this is just going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, man. But like all that shit, I think if you pay for everything, right? And everyone does your shit basically for you and you're just putting it together and sequencing it and whatnot. Like it staves the, the like it kills your creativity. Like you could do something else, like using that fucking tweet and that response. Um, like that's like your flavor. I don't. I like that you that you that you think I got a flavor. That's funny. Um, hey, there's there's a there's a Robinson flavor. <laughs> I definitely have a, a a a different style than most, I would say. Um, but I I think it. You know, it's I don't know. How oh, this is the film's fucking killing me right now, dude. I'm not even, I, it's, it's supposed to be coming out in December. I don't even want to talk about it because it's going to kind of put more pressure on me. But you know what? It's, it's, I think everyone needs to, I would like to see a Smoke and Mirrors podcast film if you guys ever made one. Oh, you know, one of our goals on the side, like me and my missus, like she, her brothers come from like film background. Like they went to film school and everything, right? So we're trying to organize something short film or like like trying to climb that ladder to get to a feature what's what would be the, what do you mean to get to a feature so like creating short films to get um what's his face to get like sort of awareness and exposure to then be able to go all right well here's a feature like or, or people will go what do you want to do? Because you're making these crazy short films. Can we finance your your like you know your first feature film? I'd these guys it. that blow up on YouTube. I, I don't know what you wanted from me. I'm like, I, if I had money, I would I'd drain my bank account to finance your stuff. But I'm not even asking for financing. I'm like, I'm gonna do it the best way possible is that I'm going to make a film using all the people I've talked to and make it free. And I'm going to make it as cheap as possible. Basically, I don't have to put any money in production. I have to do any of this. I can just use segments and clips and, you know, I can film my own scenes, obviously free time. So 
really it's just about putting in work. I think if you put in enough effort to something, you can make a reasonably cheap film pretty fucking good. I've seen Willy's Wonderland, which I'm pretty sure they didn't even pay Nick Cage to talk because it would have been a lot more money. And that was a great film. Yeah, I'm pretty sure with the shit that Nick Cage got to do in that movie that he paid them to do. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I thought I thought it was great. A lot of people didn't like it, but Rob, I actually got to wrap it, man. We've been talking for two hours. Um, I know it's late over there for you. Oh, good. So fun talking to you, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Is uh, there a place where people can find any of your links? Absolutely. On Twitter, Smoke and Mirrors Oz, we're there. Uh, and on Instagram, Smoke underscore Mirrors Podcast. Check us out. Uh, we release new episodes weekly on Movie Mondays, and we're, uh, we're always posting something. And on YouTube, of course, Smoke and Mirrors Podcast. We're there. I'll make sure I link it all in the description. It's been a pleasure chatting. Thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Stay tuned for our next episode.